and welcome to the I'm a Health Visitor podcast. My name's Amy. And I'm Jenny. And today we have the lovely Terry and Caroline with us from the fabulous charity Harry's Hat. Hello, both of you. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> in unison too. This is fantastic. If you just talk in unison throughout the rest of the podcast, that'd be perfect. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear oh so, so we have to say joining us yeah and we have to say thank you to anthony who has been a keen i am a health visitor supporter for ages because he got in touch with me on um twitter and uh, linked us up which was fantastic um we do love it when our listeners put us on to uh, yeah, good definitely. subjects and people to talk to for the podcast so it makes our and life a lot is, easier <laughs> it really does and this was the nudge we needed wasn't it jen because we've been meaning to do an episode on head circumference for a for ages which i think we probably will do another one that's more broad but um it's the perfect nudge to get us into hydrocephalus which is obviously your specialist subject both of you um <laughs> so i know terry you're the um the chair of trustees aren't you at Harry's Hat? I am yes yeah I started volunteering as a trustee initially um, and then became chair of trustees last year. Fantastic. Great. So and loads of kind of knowledge there. Yeah. And <laughs> yeah. Caroline. Yeah I, I hope so yeah I kind of, <laughs> I've, got a, I've got a kind of marketing um, and events background and then joined the charity sector about five or six years ago and kind of never looked back really it's it's a sector that I, I know and love um, and will yeah. probably never leave. To be able to do this, which is really close to my heart and also benefits um, people I love is, 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 yeah, it's just the best way to. Yeah. That's wonderful. And Caroline, I think your connection, I mean, I, I'm guessing if it wasn't for you, we wouldn't have Harry's hat at all. Yeah, me, me and uh, my, my little one and, and my husband, <laughs> yeah. yes. Oh, so do you want to explain a bit more about what Harry's Hat is and why it exists? Yeah, yeah, of course. So um, I'm one of the founders of the charity, along with my husband and our friends that we, we, we pulled in. Um, and we founded Harry's Hat, which stands for Harry's Hydrocephalus Awareness Trust in 2018. It became a registered charity in 2019. Um, and we did it because my own child, Harry, was born with the condition. Um, so he has congenital hydrocephalus. Um, we found out that he had a problem at 36 weeks when I was 36 weeks pregnant. And it was that awful. I'm an older mother. I've already had three children. So I thought this would be a walk in the park having a fourth one. Um, and I've had I had a couple of vaguely complicated births with my others but nothing too bad but being an older mother I decided I didn't want to go through the natural childbirth route again and I wanted to have a c-section and the doctor had said you know at my grand old age it was probably a good idea so <laughs> they they said I couldn't have one unless I went for a scan so I went in for this scan um and I'd I still remember kind of wandering in it was all quite calm yeah and then it did that horrible thing where they went very quiet and they brought more people in and they went very oh. quiet and then they went very quiet again and then they said that he had a total loss I think it was a brain component um oh, which was Jeez. awful yeah we were dragged into a little room and you know told that basically they didn't know what they were seeing but what they were seeing definitely wasn't good 
Um, we're at a local hospital and by the evening we've been transferred to um, a specialist hospital where they did a scan and they found out that he had a very big ar arachnoid cyst. In fact, he's got two. Um, and that was taking up a quarter of his brain. <gasps> we were then told that if he, well, we knew by then, they, they, they did a scan and found out he had, he was a little boy. In fact, they told us he has some good crown jewels. Um, but they, <laughs> There's an upside too then. <laughs> they, they were trying to <laughs> Despite oh, all the God. awkwardness, his dad was still quite proud about that. Oh, um, God. <laughs> But it, it was it was awful to be honest. Um, oh. They they basically said if the baby, being a heathen, was to survive the birth, um, we'd be very lucky. Um, oh. they, the cyst oh. was pushing on and still does on on the breathing receptors. Um, so they so when I delivered him, I think there was about forty people in the room, and Blimey. they were expecting the worst I now know if they deliver on a Monday morning that's because they think you're really sick so we delivered him first thing Monday morning with all the consultants they had a bed waiting for him in the next room expecting that they were going to have to do all this sort of life-saving treatment and then we were told if he did survive then it would be you know quite a long stay in um, neonatal intensive care um, baby Harry came out pink and screaming, and all these people <laughs> were like, kind of shrugged, and we were sort of, right, yeah. sort of empty so quickly. I, um, I was going to say it's that sort of thing where no one lets the babies know that you know what the plan is. It's yeah, like, but the just want to be born. Yeah, other. <laughs> so we were told to we we. I ended up really getting really poorly and they hadn't planned for that, so that was a bit of a oh, bit no. rubbish. Um, oh, bless you. I, know, I mean, I'm a drama for Harry to be poorly, and then it turns exactly. out that it's you they needed the bed for. They was like, oh, we hadn't planned. For, and they literally had planned for everything apart from the flipping mum they're getting ill. Um, <laughs> but um, we were in for five days. He had lots of tests. He had an MRI. It confirmed that the cyst was still very much there. But he seemed to be doing ridiculously well. So after five days, we were told to go home and basically enjoy our miracle baby but keep an eye on his head and come back in two weeks. And two weeks later, we came back and they were like, yeah, he's still doing very well. But they kept measuring, kept looking at his head. And then very quickly, it became obvious that his head was growing and it was growing quickly. Yeah. So um, by this time, they started to talk about hydrocephalus, which mm -hmm. is something I've never heard of. It's taken me quite a long right. time to be able to spell it. Um, yeah. <laughs> he would get something that's really tricky. Um, <laughs> and of course they monitoring his head they they realized very very quickly that it was growing in fact we were taken in for an MRI scan and I can remember the uh, radiologist coming running out shouting don't feed the baby for, um, because they were thinking they're going to have to rush him straight into surgery oh, as wow. it was he went in a couple of days later just before Christmas um, oh, of course no. just when you want to send surgery yeah course just you know with all the other children at home um and they shunted him on the 21st of December oh wow. ironically it's birthday, oh, my birthday. It? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh well Merry yeah. Christmas Harry and happy yeah. birthday yeah. Terry yeah. <laughs> it was a shunt um, for a present yeah that was it yes he was our shunt um shunt, bir shunt birthday baby um 
And then by the time he'd reached his first birthday, he'd had um, three shunt revisions because the shunt had blocked. Right. He'd had a major infection. They told us he had meningitis because that's yeah. one of the high risks. He didn't in the end just yeah. infection. We spent our time literally in and out of hospital. And it was really tough. Mm. But one of the things we found is that we we felt like the only one in the village with it. <laughs> yeah. Um, there's some great support out there but what Mm. I really wanted was to see what it was like from other parents and what our future was going to look like yeah that was hard and then to basically um have people understand what we were going through yeah a lot of the signs of shunt blockage such as fever or listlessness is it could be yeah of course yeah that's the problem with it isn't it you yeah. have to you know you always have to act you um, have to react to it really quickly really. yeah 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 yeah, yeah you um do. so I look like a bit of a neurotic mother no. <laughs> um, oh no no yeah I was far from the outside it. world you really do yeah um and Harry looks um I don't have a photo face he really does he he looks like a Bowden model baby <laughs> he's <laughs> gorgeous I've seen the photos yeah. on your um, on your blog and he's absolutely gorgeous he is yummy if I say so myself he is very cute um but that can make that can bring the challenges as well because when professionals are looking at him he looks absolutely fine you wouldn't yeah. know under that sure. massive blonde curls um what's really going on under his head um and what really sort of motivated us to set up um, the organisation was the lack of awareness, but also the lack of um, access to training that we found that some of the frontline workers um, could get. In fact, I've worked in charities all my life. I work for um, a welfare charity as my main job, and I'm paid to do that. We run Harry's Pat as volunteers in our own time. but in my job, if I need to do some <coughs> training, I providing it's to do with the subject that I'm working for, sure. um, I can access that for free. Yeah. Well, I found it really shocking when we spoke to some of the health professionals. And if they wanted to do professional development training, they're taking it out of their own time and yeah. they're paying for it. Yeah. So in my humble opinion as a mother, how can they possibly provide the best service for my precious child Mm. if they can't go to networking training if they can't learn from others and if they're having to take it out their own time so yeah yeah, harry's hat was was born and and i I guess the final thing we we realized the shunt that keeps our precious baby alive was first invented back in the 60s along with the the old doll um Mm -hmm. which yeah it's it's a rudimentary piece of equipment really and it yeah. does its job and it keeps him here with us but they block and mm, they can yeah infect infections really common and yeah all yeah. sorts of problems and when we looked at the research and the incidence of children with just congenital hydrocephalus it's really hard to hear about acquired because we just don't record that mm. yeah at the moment um it's relatively common so in our world in our Harry's hat world, what we want is a future where there's a cure, not just treatment. Yeah. Yeah. That's our long-term goal. Great. Right. Here we are. Brilliant. 
Oh, that is just amazing. It's that interesting where I know, I mean, we were talking beforehand. I mean, Amy's got experience of having worked in a paediatric neuro environment. I did 10 years children's A&E, um, but I was at um, a hospital that had a big tertiary neuro um, surgery department. So it's funny because I, mean, I, I feel very familiar with that thing of people coming in, in with their children, querying block shunts and to me it was second nature that yep you know it's taken seriously they have to exclude that before almost looking at anything else um and so yeah it always still surprised me at times when people are like but you know oh you've got to do this and like you from what you say of your experience of it being something that you're having to always say it could be the shunt Hello, it's likely it to be, be the shunt and things mm. um and yeah no and it's the fact that you've recognized that the difficulty that a lot of us have with training is um brilliant and you know take our hat or <laughs> I was gonna say take our hat off to you then <laughs> that for me? Yeah, it's like, but you know very on brand we like that yeah. we like that <laughs> that was unintentional pun I'm, I'm normally good at slipping in a deliberate pun but that was completely unintentional um but yeah no and it's just amazing um and so because how do you then go about doing it how sort of how have you look towards doing things like getting the training going and things and you know what what do you think that are the big gaps that you guys have seen in what health professionals and especially from our point of view health visitors have when it comes to hydrocephalus what's on your wish list of what we should know yeah shall I talk a bit about the um where we found the gaps with health yes and then Kerry will talk to you a lot about yeah how we do it how we raise money that would I mean, be wonderful. One of the motivations for me is I had the most wonderful health visitor. Um, oh, that's I, nice to hear. <laughs> I honestly can say I think I'm still standing because of her. I mean, oh. she was. I just love her. She's become a really oh, few. That's oh, good. what's her name? We should say say yeah. hello to. Her. She's called Hun? Bex. 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 Becky. Well done, Bex. Um, hi, Bex. <laughs> <laughs> She drummed it into my head that if I'm not happy, they're not happy. And she said, you know best. Now, she had a neuro background as well. Oh, and brilliant. She, she was very much, if you are not happy, we're not happy, you get support. But yeah. I know that my experience, all the mums, we call ourselves hydro mums that I've spoken to. That's a great name. And one of the things that really motivated me um and it's not a sort of finger pointing exercise but it shows the issues yeah it shows the gap measuring heads so tricky so you obviously you measure the the widest part of of the head but what's so important is really the continuity if you're measuring it slightly wrong in a way that's okay as long as you continue to do it the ideal is always the wide part of the head yeah but the difficulty is if it wasn't me or my husband Matt or Bex measuring the head I once took Harry to a baby clinic and somebody else measured his head and they got it about a centimeter wrong <gasps> and which on those very, charts is like is astronomical difference yeah. isn't it it was she was she was very dismissive um but the baby <sighs> clinic was really busy and she was under pressure yeah. And she maybe didn't know the importance. I went home, re-measured Harry's head, fed it through to our neuro team, which is at the specialist hospital, 
and they realized that it was again the fluid was building mm. but that lack of awareness and being dismissed and as a fourth time mum and I've always worked in health and social care I I can shout a bit yeah sure or I can just ignore them and get on and do it myself mm-hmm. um, you absolutely but, shouldn't have to though being no. dismissed like that is such a horrible experience yeah. for any parent it's the last thing you should have be having to fight really you know you've got enough and, on your plate as a parent on that journey yeah. and you're weak and you're yeah. tired yeah and, and you've sure. been through it's it's so challenging and speaking to a lot of other mums they they've mm. been we knew at this point that what harry had and we only knew because at 36 weeks they found his yeah. yeah we've come across lots of parents now they don't know until their child has a catastrophic event. So the only way this is going to get picked up is through health visitors and midwives. And it used to measuring better that the measurements took place pretty much every contact with a health visitor or a midwife. Now it's only routinely done at birth and at the six to eight weeks. Yeah, that's right. And a lot of the neuro um, nurses and professionals and parents like us are saying, actually, it needs to happen a bit more regular because mm-hmm. and because if it's I was lucky I went to that scan because I was older and I was grumpy and <laughs> that's the only reason <laughs> I was there yeah and as it was they could do a planned c-section they could keep a really close eye on Harry mm. he's got at the moment touch wood I'm touching Terry's table <laughs> but you know he he cognitively he he's there yeah and he's doing all right but for Fantastic. a lot of children and the damage is done in that sort of three-month yeah. period before it's picked up. Yeah. And yeah. there's another tip that I would love to get across to, to lots of health visitors and midwives is that we call it a neurocry, but Harry's baby number four. And I've I've worked in um in my professional life, I've I've worked in um domestic abuse settings for a long, long time. So I've worked with lots of babies and the cry that Harry and, and, and Terry will say the same, the cry that Harry can do and these children is a different pitch to the cry mm. that other um, babies do. Now, I know of quite a few um, neuro mum, um, hydro mums, incl- especially some of the younger mums who've been diagnosed with sort of postnatal psychosis and all sorts of problems because they're saying, my baby's making this week. Well, actually... Yeah. Bex, my lovely health sister, was like, that's the neuro cry. That's yeah. what your baby's making. Yeah. Yeah. But that cry hits a pitch that does yeah. something to your head. The baby's I'm, in pain. It yeah. hates you and, it, and they, yeah. you cannot put them down. No. I was beyond exhausted yeah. and still confident enough as he was my fourth child. And I knew what was wrong with him. Yeah. There are so many parents, they haven't yet because they've had an actual birth. Maybe at birth the head wasn't too bad. Yeah, they've carried on, so it's mm. not picked up until the baby has a catastrophic fit or a stroke, yeah. or they yeah. realise that very visibly. Yeah. When I look back on pictures of Harry before he was shunted, he—you can tell because we know, but he doesn't look that bad, does he? He doesn't mm. look like you'd go crikey. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, right. already big hair. Yeah. No. Well, yeah. like you say, because no. Because it was picked up before. I mean, in an ideal world, like you say, we don't really want to be seeing any of these late signs, like the symptoms of hydrocephalus that would be really alarming, you know, like the bulging forehead and the really bulging fontanelle and the sunken eyes and all of that Mm. stuff. Because 
really by then there's a lot of pressure going on loads yeah. and that's doing um, damage which is doing damage and it's but there's interesting other signs, sorry that there's other that's signs right, yeah, as please, well yeah. that would be great for people to look out for and that's things like if they can't get the baby grow over the head that doesn't oh, necessarily okay. mean the child has hydrocephalus but hang on why can they fit into a normal baby grow for their age but you're struggling to get it off yeah. the head you speak to any hydro mum and they cut we still do cut you know cut a v-neck to, yeah. to get their heads over and you there's all these little things people do to adapt but actually we want people who are working with the families to be thinking oh hang on what why yeah. is that and always a case of let's just refer in to check rather than let's sure. wait and watch with it yeah um it's interesting what you were saying about the cry because I guess I could always hear the cry you're talking about as you were saying it mm. because it's it's that cerebral irritation isn't it which is so similar to what you get with meningitis yeah. and the amount of times I'd have parents coming in my A&E days who would be like you know the only thing that they could really pin down was that their cry was different to normal and they'd be like I'm sure it's nothing I'm sure I'm being daft but you're like well no actually that that's quite, quite a significant, significant thing, thing. Yeah. and lo and behold you then on investigation be able to find further things but it was the cry that was telling them and so it's that thing I did I've spent so much of my professional life saying to families actually you know you are the experts if something feels off kilter to you then yes go get it checked no one's going you know no one should dismiss you even if the only thing you can say is it just doesn't feel right yeah. that's still worthy of investigation especially when a child's pre-verbal and so yeah. doesn't have anything else they can say to you about that but I mean having seen how how irritable and in pain children with sort of the meningitis with the block shunts were to have that as your day-to-day -day experience at home oh. is just yeah I I can only imagine how how stressful and how just sort of awning all-encompassing that must have felt for you yeah and I had the confidence of saying yeah I've got three other children at home I'm I've you know, know spent the last 16 years of my life surrounded by babies and children so I know this is different and I also yeah. knew what was wrong with Harry so many of them are the parents we come across they're going through that three months where they don't know what's wrong with their child they just know their child is that scream they can't yeah. settle them they're really irritable but if you've got a really young mum that they're being said oh well you know it's because you're a first-time parent or it's mm. because you're depressed or it's that and the other and I think the other thing for me is, you know, I've I've worked, as I said, in, in domestic yeah. abuse settings and stuff. I knew how special this was looking after Harry and my lovely health visitor knew. So they were looking at me. She was looking at me as a mum and saying, this is really hard. You're prepared yeah. to say you're feeling really anxious. You're prepared to say you're, this is really stressful. But actually, there's so little support. If you as a parent are prepared to say this is impacting on me and my family you don't get the support that you need I only was mm. still able to get Bex to come because you know we we basically had to tick the box in terms of how it was impacting on my mental health as yeah, well yeah she was my one person that came in and checked up and asked me how I was doing yeah I yeah. speak to lots of mums and 
you know, older mums as well, perhaps, who have worked all their time, had quite good careers and that sort of thing. And now they're looking after a baby with hydrocephalus and they're not getting any support at all because they're not prepared to say to anyone, actually, this is impacting on on me. So they're at home really struggling and they're the sort of hidden group that isn't getting left need. And it's really interesting because we hear that over and over again, don't we, from um, families who have children with additional needs to say that actually there's a role there for the health visitor, not necessarily in the care of the child and their specialist problem, um, because that is unlikely to be the specialist. You're obviously Mm. Bex as a hero and super lucky to have her as your health visitor, but it would be unusual to have a health visitor with a background in neuro. Um, So... It, but that but every health visitor is able to offer that emotional support to the parent and like you say starting from a place of of course you're low of course you're anxious that was a natural response to what you're going through um, yeah. and this is bound to be difficult so I'm here to support you yeah. um, he flipped it on the head for them to... and I think that's the, the kindest thing that you can do to a parent in that situation and she was like if you weren't low if you weren't anxious if you weren't feeling this is really difficult I'd be really worried about you yes yeah and she made it the it's okay to feel really anxious it's okay to hate the other mums at baby group because they're making you do these things of course okay to cry in front of people when there's some child hits my child over the head with a tonka truck you know she's all those sort of really and, and the sort of things that there's so many little things that you don't know. So Harry came out of surgery and we put him in his buggy and mm. sort of pushed him over some cobbles. And we were suddenly like, should we be doing this? Oh, Can God, we do yeah, this? Yeah. Is this going to... And all the things that go through your head and all the rational adult, you know, it, it, yeah. it, we were terrified of every single thing we did with him. You yeah. know? Of course you were. And now he's a boisterous, he's a really boisterous boy. So, you know, <laughs> but they've encouraged the bet's giving me my confidence she's encouraged me to be really open with the neuro team yeah. so if harry does something like a really daft toddler thing i will tell say yeah he slid down the stairs on his tummy can he do that because you know where the shunt is <laughs> whereas if you're too worried to ask because you don't want to be seen as a bad parent yeah people are sitting there just panicking like mad yeah. and and as they reach toddlerhood, it's really stressful because yeah. he's one of four. So whatever his big brother and sister, that's it. He's after them. Yeah. And, you know, trying to manage his, he's a normal child with, with a complex condition. Yeah. Um, yeah. And we don't want right. to stunt him, but equally we have to keep him safe. Yeah. So yeah. some of those really, what sounds like a really daft question is a really important question. You know, can yeah. he slide down the stairs on his tummy or is that going to dislodge yeah. stunt? What yeah. happens if his brother punches him in the tummy? Do we need to rush him to A&E or, you know, there's all these things, yeah. you know, can yeah. he climb a tree? Or yeah. those, those silly questions, but lot, lots of parents just sit at home because oh, they yeah, haven't completely. got that support. Yeah, and they're not sort of empowered to to feel that they can ask without feeling like they're going to get a sort of negative tick against them. Yeah, and it's that's interesting. So you sad. don't. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, Dan. no, I was going to say you don't realise you you feel like you're giving very thorough in um, advice and instructions on do's and don'ts after surgery, and yet it's not until like you said that example about going over the cobbles. Yeah. And it's like, it's such yeah. a straightforward thing where you almost need to look at adapting 
advice and support to enable you to have those normal things and yeah and it is a real worry that it's sort of like you said you're in that position where you've got that confidence and that knowledge and that resilience as a mum already to be able to go you know what and a a dad as well and to be able to go you know what actually yeah we need to know this we don't know this bit and that's where we need parents voices isn't it yeah my my husband who is a a quite a large um (laughs) unit and he's a, he was a front row in rugby. He sat and cried after he pushed him across the cobbles because he was worried that he'd, he'd inadvertently damaged yeah. him in some way. Of course. And it's those you feel constantly guilty and constantly yeah. worried. And you're worried about everyone bringing an infection and what can yeah. that do? And, you know, yeah. what if, if he gets childhood illnesses from his siblings at school? Harry's been vaccinated about ch- against chicken pots because I was able to talk to Bex yes. and say, is this a good idea? And yeah, yeah. Yeah, it really is. Yeah. But it's all those things you don't know. And if you think about it, we're under a specialist neuro team. We've got two neuro nurses that we can talk to, yeah. but they work part time. So it's really only one person split between two yeah. for the whole of the southwest of England, oh, southeast of England on the, on yeah. the um, in the specialist hospital so it, it's yeah they don't they can they're absolutely lovely our neuro nurses but you need other local support as well yeah and you need the awareness which is what's yeah. so important i'm just realizing you southeast it's not kings that you come under is it no it's, um george's and george's oh. Oh, that's <laughs> <where> <laughs> I <did my laughs> training yeah they're, oh, they're, i mean they're a brilliant, brilliant team. Yeah. But one of the biggest challenges that all families like us have is your specialist team really know hydrocephalus. The yeah. local team, so if Harry's yeah. ill, he goes to a local hospital. They're yeah. lovely, they're brilliant, yeah. but you actually have two sides of it. You have people who aren't aware of it or people who are so aware that if I've taken him some, somewhere with his tonsillitis, we're getting blue lighted into a hospital <laughs> if they yeah. won't. So you sort of there's that middle ground. But I'd always rather the overreaction because you feel safer. Absolutely, and I guess it's um it's difficult as a health visitor to try and think well what where do you kind of fit in that in that spectrum because you're not going to have the specialist knowledge necessarily. But you know at least if you have listen to parents stories like that's why it's so valuable valuable to have you here Caroline um, and sharing your experience I suppose hopefully it helps people to kind of think about um, this is something we need to be alert to something we need to be aware of and actually to have that slightly heightened um, sense of alertness when there's something going wrong or something potentially um, that, that could cause a concern in terms of the shunt um yeah. and to listen to the parents concerns and know that the parents always right which you know we say over and over again but it's really true yeah. I think the it's about empowering child. it's impact the, the health is what Bex did for me is empower me and Matt to feel that we knew what questions to ask and that no question was off limits yeah because great. it's such a complicated condition and so many conditions are so complicated she made me feel like for example phoning up and you're at him and saying he's slid down the stairs on his tummy 
you know, that sounds really silly, but could you gamble? It doesn't sound silly. Yeah. It doesn't sound silly. It's, it's, a, it's a perfectly valid thing. Like, as a yeah. parent, of course, you're going to want to know the answers to those things. And they can't possibly give you all of those answers in advance yeah. because you're not going to know what those situations are. Yeah. So, yeah, until they do have them. to do it yeah. the way you are. Yeah. It's the only option. Yeah. But she gave me that, and she gave me, yes the baby needs regular head measurements yes you can do it you've got the skills and almost if as long as it's consistent and and mm. she gave me the about you know this is the right tape measure to use and that was backed up by our, our neuro yeah. team as well but she listened to me and what she also did is she listened to the specialist team so and they said you need this particular tape measure she had her own that she knew that for Harry we have to use this tape measure. This, this is one that they that Caroline and Matt have used. This is the one that the St George's team have yeah. used. Um, I think I've seen it with families before where you always have because I'm guessing it was the lasso that you were using. The tape it's measure. a little tape measure that looks like the IKEA tape measures. Yes, and it kind of loops it back on itself. itself? No, not that. They oh. used to be the ones that tuck into themselves. They're not as reliable. We were told. Oh really? Oh, the ones really? they have look like an IKEA tape measure that you get with so the strips of paper. Oh wow! <laughs> yes. Yeah, I'm really surprised by that because I always find it much easier to read an accurate measurement on the lasso ones than I do on the IKEA. So that's really great to know. Thank you for that. They, this is what we have from our specialist hospital because you can pull right. those in too tight. Whereas the other ah, ones, okay. Uh, but the most important thing is it's the same person that's yeah. measuring. So if I was measuring slightly wrong, it's at least consistently wrong. Yeah. Sure. Still see yeah. the jump. <laughs> it, the difficulty is like going back to measuring in really busy baby clinics mm. and having people who've got no idea about what hydrocephalus is measuring. Yeah. yeah you sure. know, and basically the hydro mum or the hydro families know you become a specialist in your so so if Absolutely. they say measure here you you, you measure there yeah yeah um, of course you do yeah okay. so um, would you be advocating then for parents particularly once you've got a diagnosis to be the ones that are actually doing the measuring because then you know you're going to get that level of consistency and again it's about empowerment and somebody who actually has the best knowledge about their own child I would, providing the hospitals have got the resources to train the parents before they leave. Mm. So often you just leave with a bit of paper. Yeah, Yeah. that's not enough. Yeah. Yeah. So perhaps that's, I mean, maybe that's the future of this going forwards. And again, you know, you can see a health visitor role there in, in terms of that we often support that kind of thing if parents are released from hospital with a medication like an inhaler say for example and it's helping with inhaler technique or helping parents to learn how to use a particular yeah. thing this would yeah. be could yeah. be seen as an extension of that yeah and we all learn as a sort of team around harry how to measure his head and what worked for him yeah and then i thought i wonder if there's also a, a a role for sort of something to to look towards is to improve hospital health visitor communication because it's automatic that a a referral letter a a discharge letter goes to the GP but actually that specialist instruction is either down to the parents passing that on um it's very rare that you'd have 
a specialist team specifically contacting health the visitors health to directly. do that and especially mm. now that everything's by email it would be so easy yeah, to do that and in. have a message to the the health visitor probably before the family even leave the ward yeah we had to struggle to get health visitor support yeah you know and and again I've been so lucky I had a great GP it was uh, you know she she was a, a, a relatively I think we were her first hydrocephalus case so yes. she was fairly new out of training and she was brilliant but she Great. fought to get me the health visitor support yeah but you know I, I seem to be very lucky in terms of mm. that support I had a great GP who would listen and I had really good health visitor support yeah um I we know so many families that are not getting that yeah yeah and well, not getting it's... the respite nobody to talk to no yeah it's it's a frustrating thing because I know even I think Amy's probably come across it in her practice I know I've definitely had it before in my practice where I've actually identified things of I've I've then done the referral on to pediatric outpatients or asked them to urgently see the GP and then had to fight to get any feedback from what I what I've instigated so yeah. uh yeah I know it's a it's a big thing of frustration for health visitors everywhere that they they feel like they only end, ever get half of a, a story yeah. and then are having yeah. to fight to get the rest of the story back again as well I know again um, it, yeah. it's time as well isn't it definitely it can yeah. especially parents who are you know maybe a bit older and maybe have held careers and responsibilities and all mm. that it can take a long time just to say you're struggling so absolutely you know, yeah the people come in your house and you're like oh everything's great yeah, oh, yeah because yeah. because it's that thing of the, the whole thing in in your work you don't yeah. go oh god no it's all awful because you'd be yeah. worried you're going to get the sack and I think the same yeah. thing happens we as health I would like to confirm as health visitors we do not have the ability to sack parents <laughs> I think I think so many and, and, and so hydro parents will say the same from day one if you know that your child has a condition from day one you have so many people around you yeah and you know not all of those people uh, communication is not always the best yeah and, and sometimes you do feel like you're being judged and yeah. um, one of my my kind of top tips to, to to other parents and you know you can see me on zoom so I'm obviously not taking my own advice but you know hairbrush and a bit of mascara before the consultant and five people walk in you just feel a bit more confident because mm. they all come into a room and they're talking and they're talking in a language and words that you're not really sure what they're saying you've been sleeping on a ward for four days solid and yeah like sort of a swamp monster or you do in my case <laughs> and when they all come in it's really intimidating yeah. and you know you haven't brushed your hair you, if you've been on the ward you haven't had a shower mm. it's those kind of psychological differences yeah they yeah. feel like they're in control and you're the one that's very not in control. not in control and so and I've sort of it's hard then to tell people when they come in for health visiting guys or they come into your house as OTs that yeah. this isn't as you know it's not all great yeah, yeah. that's so a difficult cool. balance to strike Definitely. wanting to look together enough to command respect of, of the professionals in the room whilst also wanting to be honest about how you're yeah. struggling in order to get the support that you need yeah. but of course we we need both don't we we, we all yes. need both we need respect and support the most polished mum might be the one that's actually struggling the most yeah yeah 
Oh and yeah, that's, no, definitely. You know, definitely yeah. something to bear in mind. And I think that's you know, it, it's it's really difficult and it's yeah. really hard to ask for help. Yeah, and it re- you know, funding is limited as well. So yeah. it, it it sometimes seems a failure if you feel like you yeah. can't hold it all together, no. but it's really difficult you have a child that has a life-threatening condition and basically it's on your watch to keep them there yeah that's yeah hard. that's terrifying yeah it rang true what you said about Beck saying to you about if you weren't saying yes, you were struggling absolutely. I'd be more worried yeah. yeah because that just yeah we we've had families like that before where you're like please show me some sign of fallibility some sign of like weakness because Concern. you just it's almost like having a hard shell that you're there desperately trying to tap through to see what's actually behind there and there's just so many layers of this shell that you can't get through to to work out what's happening for families them. are so worried often about being honest with professionals because they still see a little bit of well you were going to come and take my child away yeah, if I yeah. say I'm having having it's difficulty horrible. yeah and I think that's still there and I think um you know, I, th- I think what people don't understand is that there is such a sense of guilt when you have a child with a, the condition, mm. that, like any condition. I look back at my pregnancy, is there something I did? Is it, is it, yeah. is it genetic? Is there this, is there that? And you cannot never get that. If you speak to any parent and really do that deep yeah. down, I kind of think back, did I do this? Did I do that? I, no. You know, and I've been told time and time again, his condition was probably some random thing that yeah. happened day of conception or whatever and yeah. then he ended up in with what he's got but seeing your child handing your child over to someone who's going to do brain surgery on them I wouldn't wish on my worst enemy no so all these parents are tired they're scared they're exhausted and you kind of wrecked with guilt mm. you know is it is it genetic is it something is it because Matt's my second marriage you know there's, there's all these things that oh, go that go through your head you. but it's yeah. just one of those things but yeah. you when you're coming into contact with families they can sometimes be defensive because you're already yeah. with those sorts of complex oh. feelings of course and can, can I ask how's Harry now so what, what how is he doing now how old is he he's three. oh he's, bless he's great he's doing a sponsored event at the moment to raise money for the charity he's he's really naughty <laughs> he's got all the things he shouldn't from his older older siblings um you, you describe him how would you describe him he's, he's very cheeky he's he's so full of life and he's oh. like we've said he's absolutely yummy he's gorgeous oh. um and he's just got this you know, for, for for those of us that know and love him, he's got this kind of level of vulnerability, mm. but also this this kind of, you know, I'm here and I'm living life to the full. It's almost like he's doing it before he's even made the choice to do it. Um, and I think that will, you know, he will do that throughout his life. He will live his life to the full. He's just absolutely amazing. Awesome. Like like you said, you know, he wants to do everything his siblings doing so yeah yeah great on his bike he wants to be you know running up and down the stairs and you know coming and you know pretending to attack us with his light (laughs) 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 you want him to be like that but actually it might be that he has to wear a special helmet that his siblings don't have to wear so it's it's you want him to and certainly for me as a as kind of you know auntie terry i I want to help him live his life to the full, but I find myself kind of like, 
going around behind yeah, him like you know course. holding walls <laughs> and you're like oh you just you, you want you want him to be able to enjoy it without feeling that's there but for me oh. as well as as a as a family friend you know I'm aware that I have loads of questions as well um yeah like you know if 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 I if I can look after him it's I've got that extra level of complexity that I don't even have with my own daughter where yeah. I'm looking out for things and I want to feel confident that I can care for him but know all the extra stuff you need to know around yeah. Yeah. that I don't know just as a parent mm. definitely oh, that extra layer of complexity yeah and I guess you're having to think already about school and nursery maybe even as well at the moment and making sure the guys there know how to manage him and know how what to look out for in things as well well we've aced it with his childminder because she's a pediatric nurse oh amazing oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> might intervene because I would never have gone back to work otherwise no. and now he's doing one day a, a week with um a state nursery school which is attached to my third child's um primary school um and they have been brilliant. But they allowed me and my husband to come in. We did a talk on hydrocephalus. We worked brilliant. with the, there was a book from the Shine Charity, which is really, really useful. Um, yeah. And we talked them through that. Um, they, they've been great, but they're honest. And it, there, there are, they will take him because I live around the corner and I need to be able to work mm. from home on the day that he's there. So I've got a supportive right. boss who lets me work yeah. very flexibly. Um, but I couldn't have gone back to work no. without that. So have you, has Bex helped or looking at EHCP for the future with you? Or is that something that you're in the some process of? It's going to be really tricky mm. because Harry is meeting all his markers but the, the, when he's going to school, he's going to need an EHCP. Yeah. So it, that's yeah. going to be the next yeah. thing. I, was gonna say, I think you're probably going to be quite well placed because of the amount of having I not with hydrocephalus but I worked with a family before where childhood had um a toss narrowing of his esophagus mm -hmm. and had a lot of issues around that and I mean the mum was a, the mum pretty much wrote the HCP for me because she was so on the board because I'd, I'd only started working with them a couple of months beforehand and um but she had this amazingly thorough ehcp there should be early intervention from your local council as well who can help who 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 manage the ehcps and things um and yeah it's it's often one of those things where it feels like a big lengthy thing but it then gives the school that chance to make sure they've got the the support he needs in place as well so that you're not having to do that whole being on call yourself when he's there and things yeah it, it's really difficult because when he was first had his, you know, diagnosed, I suppose, it, I, I could hardly work for the first year. Yeah. So yeah. We, we did go down the route of do we get some carer's allowance to support us as a family? But hydrocephalus in its own isn't classed as a disability. It's what... Oh. So, and I was so tired and yeah. so exhausted. And then I found yeah. an organisation that... Really, could have helped and weren't particularly helpful in terms of helping me with the forms in fact they were like oh you know I'll help you with your um she used a really awful term for disabled disabled child and I was oh, like wow. really do and it was just the form was huge it's about yeah. 40 odd pages and I remember yeah. just looking at it thinking 
I can't be bothered. It's really overwhelming. Yeah. Yeah. So blimey. Yeah. So, and I parents I think, of a one-year-old struggle to be bothered to put the washing on and do the dishwasher. Yeah, Forget a forty-page form. I mean, blimey. To write about my child at the worst moment of the worst day, I, I physically couldn't do it. I put it in the bin in the yeah. end. But actually, you know, we're both working, but that money would have really helped us. Yeah, and would have definitely. given me a little bit of certainty that, you know, I could take a bit more time off work and yeah. didn't do it. And and that's, oh, you know, I've got a degree and I'm basically yeah. literate. No, no, yeah. <laughs> you know, for a yeah. sentence together, yeah. I just can face it. So I think how many people that would be even more inaccessible for, like yeah. when you think of the general population. Yeah. Um, no, I know. I know I must it is one of those things where my big fear as a health visitor was the DLA forms and oh, those forms are awful. EHCPs because they are uh, yeah like you said they are utterly utterly draining and yeah. it's just the fact that you know you're having to constantly it, it's not often you're asked to put say persistently put down the worst possibles of everything yeah. which is really a drain because Such you just want drain. to you want to share the up sides and the oh my god they're actually doing this but that's yeah, yeah it's like really you don't want to see your child like that on the worst no. day and the worst moment and the worst yeah. time he's worth so much more than that definitely but financially it would have helped us and it would yeah. have helped our other children yeah. and it would have given my other children access to sort of carer supports and things like that and you yeah. know it, it's it's a travesty that these no, forms are like that and there's yeah. so little help other than calling some voluntary organisations, some of which are brilliant, some which yeah. didn't give, you know, if, if if the volunteer on the end of the, the line can't even use the right terms, I just thought that not doing that it. That is no. awful. Yeah, it is. It's, it's a tricky situation. I think most people yeah. will say the EHCP process and, and these forms are, are sort mm, of the thing that daunting. finishes you off. Really. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But there we go. Those that shout the loudest get the most, I think. Yeah. Oh, no, I know. So how could... Um, oh, you're right, Amy, sorry. No, no, you go. All right. I was just <laughs> realised I feel like I've asked the last few big questions. Um, but how, if anyone's listening who wants to get involved with helping Harry's hat and working with you or finding out more, what what can they do? How would you like um, some help some training, to work with you and things? Education on hydrocephalus. Yeah. yeah, so we've got um, we've got a really detailed website. We've tried to put everything on there we possibly can. It's great. Um, but also we're we're a really friendly team. We're all here. So, you know, pick up the phone, pop us an email, get in touch with us on social media. Um, we, you know, we love speaking to people um, yeah. and just learning more about other people's experiences. And the more we talk to healthcare professionals and families the more we realize as a charity what we can do um the you know the conversation starters that we're having um you know it, it's even as simple as you said earlier about the fact that there still isn't as much research out there mm-hmm. and actually having that research will enable us to talk on certain platforms we can't talk on at the moment yeah. um, it's, it's just things like that you know we're working with university students in terms of research we've got some brilliant volunteers on board we're getting out uh, loads of local events as and when things open back up again yeah. just kind of raise awareness and just chat to people mm, um you know we do have funding like you said earlier you know we can offer grants and 
and funding for training for those on the front line that really need that support that can't get it from anywhere else. We love the stories we get back from that and we love seeing how much value that's added. And we know that that will that not only helps them, but it will help ch- children like Harry, people like you yeah. and all the other families that we're talking you know we, we we don't receive any government funding so you know we're always encouraging people to fundraise for us or you know to if if, if someone works for a company that does a charity of the year you know yes. nominate us yeah, that yeah. Things. It's yeah all those little simple things that can really add really up really help out yeah that's great oh, brilliant and no well I mean hopefully obviously we'll be promoting you on um our Instagram and Facebook and things when the Brilliant. episode comes out as well. Yeah, and, and I'll link, link to the up website with you. In, the, yeah. um, in the blurb of the podcast. I'll put, I always put like a little resources and further links. So oh, I'll perfect. put um, the Harry's Hat um, website on there, obviously. Yeah. Is there any kind of final take home messages that you want um, health visitors yeah. to remember if they're working with, you know, thinking about head circumference measurement and thinking about working with families with hydrocephalus? Um, I I mean, just like Terry said, um, you know, in terms of the training that we offer, if any health visitors want to undertake that, the the um, grants is really simple. Our aim is not to make people fill in loads of paperwork. We just want to know how they're going to disseminate that learning and how that's going to help people in their care. So we really encourage people come forward and we're happy to come and talk to groups as well. You know, that's something we really want. And in terms of head circumference, it is about the consistency of, of measuring using those tape measures that look like the IKEA ones. Yeah. Um, and, and giving time and space if you've got a child with hydrocephalus, measuring in a crowded baby room it just doesn't work. Not appropriate. It needs to be, they've got to remember as well if, if you're trying to measure the baby, you know, in those weighing those silver weighing things yeah um for a baby often with hydrocephalus if you lie them back it's more distressing for them because it hurts right. you know their, their the pressure on their head so you might not get an accurate measurement it's about taking a bit of time with that family yeah. and learning that baby a little bit more and how you can get the Ooh. best measurement that's the most relaxing for the baby yeah. having them naked in the weighing machine in front of about 20 oh, people yeah, no. isn't really going to work and it's going to put more pressure on their head yeah. you're more likely to get an inconsistent result so, consistent so, e- so from what you're saying and because funny enough, I think probably something I instinctively would have done anyway would be to weigh or to weigh to measure baby's head while sort of in mum's arms on mum's lap and sort of sat up mum's lap more. sat up yeah, yeah. that's what yeah. worked for us yeah but everybody f- they've got shunts in different places yeah. they've got different bits that are causing the hydrocephalus but just busy, busy baby groups don't work. And mm-hmm. if you have a baby coming to you and your mum's saying that she's really struggling or dad to, to um, you know, get their head through the, the baby um, grow, but it's fitting their body, that should be a sort of red flag to this needs yeah. more investigation. It might just be the baby has the big head and that's yeah. fine, but it's going <laughs> yeah, to get sure. it checked out. Yeah, yeah. There, was, there was a baby I remember we were monitoring. They were coming in every two weeks for us to measure the head circumference. And then dad came in one week and we were like, oh okay (laughs) 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 literally exactly the same head shape we're like right okay (laughs) how how do you get your t-shirts on dad (laughs) (laughs) they call it familial large head don't they Uh, (laughs) (laughs) oh 
but yeah but better no. to be sure for, for yeah sure. exactly but thank you so much and if any health visitors um listening do end up getting funding from harry's hat for a bit of research into hydrocephalus or head circumference and they are stuck for ways to disseminate it let us know because we'd be very happy yeah, to um sort of do further episodes about what they found out and and everything um, yeah sure dissemination is our is our game if yeah. you've got anyone you're working with at the moment that would be interested in doing that then feel free to throw them kind of our direction and and we'll also we've got another episode we're planning at the minute about cpd haven't we um jen so yes. we can also yeah. mention harry's hat on that yes. episode as well so yeah and it, it really is any training related to their awareness of hydrocephalus anything that they want to know about shunts etvs any yeah. anything that and how they disseminate that amongst their colleagues that that's yeah. what we we yeah. need to wonderful thank brilliant. you brilliant and equally if anyone's done ehcps for any children with hydrocephalus let us know and we can pass it on to uh, to terry as well to and caroline to uh, to give them a bit of a hand working out what should go on because i know it's that thing sometimes if you even if it's a rough template even if it's something to just add on to there and you can tweak it it's often so much less daunting once you've got something at least to follow apart from the blank box and the question that's the worst bit <laughs> yeah I certainly know of a lot of very stressed mums at the moment who are doing EHCP so yeah yeah oh, big okay. process yeah. maybe there's an episode there Jen EHCPs <laughs> definitely I think that could be definitely one to look at coming up this is awful we come to record something and I always say go away with a longer list of episodes that we've got to do <laughs> it's supposed to be taking them off the Trello board not adding what them keeps, on what keeps, very us going. what keeps us going <laughs> thank you anyway. so much no, thank, thank you. you thank you for having us no it's been a pleasure it's so nice to see you guys and yeah, you, you. that's the one Thank good thing you. about Zoom. We get to properly see each other at least. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> yeah. Um, if you want to get in touch with us, you can do so in a variety of ways. We've got our Instagram page at IMHV, and we're on Twitter for with IMHV as well. We've got our Facebook page, I am a health visitor, and our email address, which is I am a health visitor all one word obviously don't include the all one word bit at gmail.com okay in the meantime take care and thanks for listening bye thank you very much everyone bye bye bye, Aww, thank you. bye. bye.